This is a four mica table. Like that. Green is its color. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare traveling, craft beer drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Oh, back to the Zoom calls. Welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I'm at home. I'm, I'm at home too. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I thought this year was supposed to be different. I thought 2021, we were supposed to, it was all supposed to just get better overnight. I guess mm. that. Not, guess not quite there yet. yet. Mm. Well, anyway. I mean, if you get your news from Facebook memes, that, that, that would be the case. <laughs> I, I rely on uh, Brian's Facebook memes to get me through the day, quite honestly. So I guess yeah. that's yeah. true. They're I have a lot of sources. I get them sent to me from 30 different people every day. So this week, uh, a beer that we've, we've sat on it for a little bit because Dolan, Dolan brought this back from his trip to Chicago not too long ago. Is that correct, Dolan? Yep. Little Buddy. Uh, the Little Buddy. This is possibly the smallest beer that we've ever had. And maybe this is, this is one of those situations where actually being on camera, you can see because this can is tiny. It's an eight ounce can. Yes. I, I've never seen this before in a beer. I have, but only in Louisiana. I want, why Louisiana? I don't know uh, if it was some liquor law thing there, but when we would go down there for Mardi Gras, you could buy eight ounce bottles of like, any domestic beer, um, and or they would have eight ounce or ten ounce cans of like Bud Light or something. So you had to be careful uh, when you went into the store because the packaging looked the same, but you'd be getting like thirty seven eight ounce cans. Yeah, <laughs> so you really got to just slam them hard, you know. So you had to know what you're getting into. But it's been probably ten years since I've seen an eight ounce can. This is it's fun. So little buddy. A little lager is what it's called from Hopewell Brewing Company of Chicago. Yeah. This is fun. I like the little thing. It says, little buddy is a delightful little lager, a snack, a proverbial plus one. This easygoing, lighthearted lager sidles, siddles. Oh my gosh. I can't read that. I don't know how to say that word. Sidles right up with other boozy pals but surely holds its own if you're looking for a little less, which sometimes is more. Sidles. It's like he's a sidler. That's a Seinfeld where he, like, he comes up right beside him and you don't oh, even know that like, he's a sidler. Yep. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> it, you know what? It instantly smells. And I understand this is a lager. It instantly smells like apple juice. Oh, it does. Doesn't it? Like a mild-ish apple juice. Man, I am. So the reason we're back on Zoom is because I just got over with my my 10-day CDC-recommended quarantine. Um, we tested positive for COVID. And I just got my smell back yesterday. So this <laughs> is Good awesome. timing. Yeah. 
I didn't lose my taste, but definitely got my smell back. All right. First impression on this, it's delicious. It's easy. It's light. Makes me wish it was 100 degrees outside. Oh, yeah. Yes. This, is a, this could be a pool beer, lawn mowing beer all day long. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. So Hopewell Brewing is located at 2760 North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. Uh, closed on Monday, as any good brewery should be. Open 2 to 7, Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, noon to 8, Friday and Saturday. And Sunday, noon to 5. Uh, they describe themselves as a progressive craft brewery located in Logan Square, which is just west of Lincoln Park in Chicago or north of Humboldt Park, if you're familiar with the Chicago area. Uh, of course, this is very important to me. Uh, how far is it from Wrigley Field? Right, yeah. They, yeah, right. I mean, you knew that was coming. 16-minute cab Uber car ride to Wrigley, or you can take – there are buses that run. You can take a bus north – to the blue line and take the blue line to the uh, Clark and Addison stop there at, at Wrigley. And I assume you did the same information for Comiskey. Uh, yeah, I seem to have lost that. Oh, I, okay. No, I don't All right. Know. Well, we'll get back to that. I, I would guess. Isn't it called a guaranteed rate field now? I don't know. <sighs> Whatever it's called. It's probably division it's winner field this year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dolan, tell me this as I was looking at their website. Did you go to the supermarket? Yeah. Yes. That's where you got these from? That's where I got it. Um, now, is it actually called the supermarket? It's called the Hopewell or Hopwell? Yeah, Hopewell Supermarket. Uh, no. So I went to a supermarket. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, and then I don't even know if it was called a supermarket, but. We were down, I don't even remember where we were in Chicago, but there was this little coffee place on the corner, coffee place, restaurant, store thing. And um, they had the beer in there and I, I found these um, in a four pack and I, I had to get it because <laughs> I've never seen this small can or whatever. Yeah. Um, plus when I looked at it and it said Chicago or whatever, and I knew I wasn't going to have time to make it to this brewery. So I had to, I had to grab it, but it was actually a pretty cool place. It's one of the mainstream shopping places in Chicago, uh, strips area, neighborhood, whatever. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was there. It was pretty awesome. They served, um, coffee and kombucha and beer on tap. And it was a grocery store. It had everything you needed. <laughs> Sounds so, good. This, this sounds very Chicago to me. Like I mean, you, you could have said I was in a city and this is what I experienced. I have yeah. experienced that so many times in Chicago that it's because everyone lives in apartments and the, you know, you live, or you walk to the, uh, you walk to the jewel Osco or you <laughs> walk to your grocery store or whatever. Like this is where you go instead of driving to Walmart like we do or high yeah. or you know or whatever like that's this is just how they live this is their this is how they live in town uh i like i think i saw on their website that i couldn't tell that they sold anything else there other than their beers so i don't know if it's just a fun way to instead of say tap room or to go they just called it a supermarket maybe that's a city chicago thing i don't know but 
They also sold hard seltzer there, I saw. Here's, here's what I, as, as I did my research on them, and I, I've got quite a bit here, quite honestly, because they seem like amazingly interesting people if you could sit down and talk to them. And honestly, they seem, it's, this is like slice of life, Midwest Chicago, as you possibly could get. Like, again, drop this into a conversation and I would be able to tell you these people are from Chicago. Okay. Um, founded in 2016 by three friends, Samantha Lee, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Stephen, or I don't know if it's Stephen or Stephen. Yeah. I apologize. Basso, B-O-S-S-U, Basso, and Jonathan Fritz. Uh, they met in the early 2000s, uh, going to college together. And like a lot of stories you've heard before, they started homebrewing. And yeah. thought, yeah, maybe we could sell this someday. But that someday didn't come for 16 years. Uh, uh, Samantha and Steven got married at some point along the way, moved to Portland for a while. Then they lived in Brooklyn for a while. So like, the, it, big city life, right? I mean, they wanted to, they, they're not small town people yeah. whatsoever. Uh, Samantha worked for nonprofits. Steven worked for breweries. So that's as it kind of went along the way. He maintained that uh, kind of that, that connection while she worked for a different number of nonprofits. Uh, and then Jonathan worked in food sales. So the grocery thing absolutely makes sense for them. Eventually, they all make it back to Chicago. 2016, they opened Hopewell Brewing. Hmm. So. Uh, I think kind of their combined life experiences in that 16 years was necessary for them to get to this place. It doesn't look like any other kind of brewery that I've, that you would, you would think it's a very open, bright, progressive. It almost looks like an Apple store in a lot of ways. Yeah. If you saw the modern. yeah. Very modern, which is totally fine, which is funny because I did some TripAdvisor research later. I'll get to that because people actually reference that. And I think that's funny that oh. at least from a craft beer standpoint, the uh, perception of that maybe. Yeah, because a lot of times with breweries, it's industrial, you know, pipes and ceilings exposed or a lot of wood, uh, dark usually inside, that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. So you this definitely notice it when it's different. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was one that as you're, as you're walking, it probably looks like any other downtown sort of business that you would see in Chicago until you actually walked in and then realized, wait a minute, this is a brewery. The outside of it looks very just as other businesses would look there in, in like a downtown Chicago area. <clears throat> I have um, a couple of different things of research that I did. And I don't want to jump on your brewery if you have more, but um, I don't even, this is a shot in the dark. So this might not even, you guys might not think this at all, but what do you think of when you look at this font? Like what's something that comes to mind for you? It's like, I mean, it's, it's almost sort of Sesame Street-ish maybe. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say like PBS kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought when I initially saw that, it took me right to the 1950s oh. for some reason. I was like, oh, that looks like 1950s ad font to me. It, yeah, like like cereal or Howdy Doody. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, yeah, just yeah. something you'd see in a magazine. Absolutely. So then I thought, okay, well, what's something from that time frame that I'm maybe interested in or something that's, that reminds me of this? And it was 
furniture. Furniture. Which is strange, right? So we're going down this road a little bit. The company is called Acme Chrome Furniture. So if you've ever been to a place that was supposed to be from the 50s, like a diner or a malt shop, they have this furniture in there. Shiny chrome legs on the tables and the chairs and uh, usually circle tables. Basically like an ice cream shop is what this sort of stuff is. Um, it started in 1946, this company making this furniture uh, coming out of World War II. They made it really popular in the 50s and into the early 1960s. Um, and everybody had, like every restaurant, every diner, this is what you would see. Um, they make ice cream style chairs. So the kind that are like scrolled, look like that kind of mm -hmm. um, wire, I guess you would say. Um, pub tables you can get. So like at a bar, like you would see now, like if we're at a tasting room or something and two of us are standing at a tall table, they make those. Um, paperclip design chairs. So it, the legs of the chair actually look like the curve of a paperclip. Yep. They make tables. Um, in 1995, the company was still around making other kinds of furniture and stuff as the times change, you know, people's tastes change and stuff. And they had to update and, and change their stuff too. Uh, but in 1995, they were moving like their business warehouse and they found all the original like molds and stuff and like the presses for the metal to bend it and stuff. And they said, well, this is kind of becoming popular again. Everything that's old becomes new, you know, new generations of people. So they started making it again. So technically it's not like, well, I don't know what the term would be, like not re, uh, boy, this is tough. So it's yeah. the original stuff. It's not like somebody said that and like, oh, we're just gonna remake the same thing. Like a re reproduction, I guess. Yeah. Um, these are original using the original thing. So you can still buy this stuff now. Um, I looked it, there's websites all over the place. Um, Acme Chrome furniture is still around. You can still order a 1950s style table and chair set dinette, whatever you want. Um, a lot of this stuff was made in Manitoba, Canada. So in 49 to 59, that was their big sales years. Companies called Daystrom and Chromecraft, and then Ann Marcos Furniture. That was in Courtney, British Columbia. So a lot of this came out of Canada. Um, some of it came right over to like in Detroit. And I think maybe that's why it sticks in my brain maybe, I guess is like 50s and early 60s style stuff. Like if you watch Scooby-Doo as a kid, they're in the malt shop. This is the furniture that's in the malt shop. So, oh, I, so I grew up, my dad was, he was a car guy. His favorite mm -hmm. car was a 1955 Chevy Nomad. Like that was his jam. And I, so growing up, we had, I would go to car club meetings. I go like, this is it. Like that, that malt shop kind of uh, like doo-wop culture, like that whole thing. That's, mm -hmm. that's absolutely what I think of when you say like 1950s, like that metal style. Yeah. Doubt. Yeah. But it's also something I would never normally think about. Like, I think it's cool, but I would not have that in my house. Uh, but I thought, oh, that's what it reminded me of. The other thing, when I started doing this furniture stuff, uh, another like big piece of 50s related uh, is Formica. So you're talking like countertops and stuff you'd see, you know, in your house and, and uh, at the restaurant, things like that. 
So I did a little bit of research on that because for me, it's still, if I look at this, it just looks like a tabletop. I don't know why that's just stuck in my brain. Yeah, I can see that. So for mica, which is like the material that they use to make the tabletop, I guess, um, starts out in 1913. And it's created to insulate electrical wires. Before that, they used actual mica, which is like a mineral. You have to get it out of the earth. And they made this as a way to not have to buy that stuff as much. Um, it was cheaper. It was faster. They could make it themselves. They didn't have to wait for somebody to send them the stuff. And that's why it's called for mica because it's instead of mica, th this is what you're using it for. So that, I, okay. So as I, I, this is why I love doing what we do because uh -huh. I would never, ever have, I just, I, so mica is a thing for mica. is just like fake mica. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was used for electrical stuff. But then they figured out um, these guys that were using it in this company in Pittsburgh, they're like, hey, we can use this for a lot of other stuff. Um, let's see what the company says. And these guys were named Daniel O'Connor. He was the engineer. Um, Herbert Faber was in sales. So he was selling this stuff to other, you know, electrical places and whatnot. And the company was called Westinghouse. You've probably heard of them. Oh, yeah. Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Um, well, they had a patent for it, and uh, Westinghouse was, as the contract back in the day, if you had an idea and they liked it uh, and you worked for them, all they had to do was give you a dollar and it was theirs. So it's kind of like um, probably stuff with like software nowadays, things like that. You have an idea, you work for them, it's theirs. Comics, probably the same way, sort of stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So for a buck. That's yeah, that's a, a racket. Kicking the shorts. Um, let's see. Then in 1938, they came up with this um, new way to treat this stuff, this formica or resin. It's like a pla liquid plastic, basically. And it made it so that it could withstand heat and you couldn't really scratch it. Uh, it wiped water off really well. And they thought, okay, this is now the time where we should really move this out of the electrical engineering side and like use it for other stuff. Um, this company that they, these guys kind of started um, to make this stuff, they bought the main supply of mica and for mica. So they're like a monopoly on this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They have it all. And that's in the, in the thirties. Um, you could also use it to make different colors. So if you've seen yellow countertops or green, lime green, like any of that stuff, that's, you can put dye in it and that's how it works. Um, mm -hmm. In the forties, they used it to make airplane propellers, which seems scary to me, but you didn't have a lot of metals and I don't know, you didn't use wood anymore at that point in time. So they used hard plastic to fly the jets. Mm -hmm. In 1956, the Formica Corporation was bought by American Cyanmid. They are the ones that made the stuff that you could turn into resin. So now they are hopping into bed with each other. So now they're all like buying each other's stuff and they're all owned by the same place. So instead of outsourcing, they just bought all the businesses that make all the stuff that they needed to do the stuff. Um, then they got hit with the old antitrust lawsuit. They had to break it up a little, but they had a good run. Um, Something that you'll see if, if you think about a Formica tabletop in the chrome furniture we were talking about earlier, 
the most popular one was a boomerang design. So it kind of looked almost like a kidney shape. And you'd see them all over, usually in like silver or uh, aqua blue, that sort of stuff. Um, that was all over the place. They used it as well to make um, kitchen tabletops, countertops, bar tops. So if you had a wet bar in your house, like people did back in those days, um, you'd have this on a kick plate. You know what those are? Like on a door, those are cool, I guess. I had one in my old house, but on the bottom, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd have some design there desktops, sink tops. Um, they used them in bathrooms. So let's say at Atlas, you got a you know, maybe you had a, a bad lunch, you got to run in the bathroom real quick. There's those partitions in between the stalls. Mm. This, this would have in the 50s had four mica designs on, on those, and that was something that they used it for. And telephone booths, which we don't think about anymore. Um, but yeah, they had design and purpose and these people tried to make them pretty. Hmm. And then the other thing, um, I thought of just to talk about a little bit was that Formica became more than just the brand name. It became the name for everything that looked like that. Like, so like Kleenex, that's what I wrote down. So Kleenex is an example and duct tape hmm. is an example. I was wondering if you guys had any other ones that you could think of. Dolan looks like he does. I don't. I don't. Mm. I, I think, I mean, Kleenex is the one that comes to mind. I think maybe in, in my world, outside of like, this is Dolan's world every day, maybe yours too, Brian. It's, it's it, every guitar to me is a Fender guitar because all I know is Fender, right? I mean, that's, and I know that's not true, but I mean, that's, I know there's Gibsons and, you know, or whatever, sure. but that's, that's just that's one of those things. Default name? Yep. Yeah. A, yeah. That's a Fender guitar or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Germex. <laughs> All hand sanitizers, Germex. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of some other examples, and that was that was my main ones. I think probably oh, back I, in the day you could say cornflakes or something maybe, like for breakfast cereal, because that was a big – or just Kellogg's. Otherwise, I guess also sometimes in the South, don't they call a lot of pops Coke? Coke, yeah. Like – yeah. Give me a Pepsi Coke or something like that. I've heard. I don't know if that's true, but even if you're ordering a Sprite, I think is yeah, the, yeah, yeah Coke. You you have to say Coke because that means soda, and then you have to say the flavor that you want. I think is how it works. Something, you, yeah. Like so, a Coke. People are weird. Sprite. Give me a, <laughs> I'll take a Kleenex Cotton L. <laughs> it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, and no. facial tissues doesn't cut it. It's just Kleenex. That's it. Right. Yeah, Kleenex. Yeah. Everything in my world generally relates back to like a couple of things, right? Generally, it's either like movies or music or like like pop culture stuff, like comic books and action figures and that type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when you said for Micah, there's a scene in Twin Peaks. Did you watch? Did either of you ever watch Twin Peaks? The show? Yeah. Or yeah. the movie? Fire Walk with Me. I saw the, the movie. movie. Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene where, and I had to look up his name because I, I remember him in Carnival. Uh, his name is Michael J. Anderson. He's the, the little person yep, that appears yep. in, uh, in the dream sequences. And there is a scene, for whatever reason, this has always, always stuck with me. So whenever someone says for Micah, it always goes back in my head. They recorded, in order to get the weird jerky movements, you know, in the dream sequence, mm -hmm. They learned all of their lines backwards. So they, they memorized all of their lines what? backwards and then they played it forward. So they walked backwards 
and they said their lines backwards. So from end to beginning, the word, they would say the word backwards. So feel, let's say I'm looking at feel here on my sheet, would be left. But then you weird. play forward and it's feel. But it, but sounds, it sounds weird. Yeah. So there's the one point during the dream sequence where he's standing at a pub table, a very similar like what you described, and he's running his hands over it. And in the weird sort of, and I can hear it in my head, he says, this is a four mica table. Like that. Green is its color. This is a four mica table. That is always, always That's stuck creepy. in my head. It, it would freak me out, but still, go look that scene up. Mm. Or maybe Colin could drop it just yeah. to audio in here because, man, it's, it's weird. But for Micah, that is always, always stuck with me when someone says huh. Micah is Michael J. Anderson and, and his backwards talking acting that they ran forward. So, that's random, man. That's, hey. uh, that's our brains. Talking about... Talking about Formica with uh, with little buddy here is, is that's right is fairly random as well. But well, I'm gonna <clears throat> go ahead. But true to our word, these are conversations that we would have with your friends while drinking beers. Now, normally, you know, I I'm fine to talk about 1950s furniture, but I know that Dolan maybe isn't into that. But something that he is into, we're gonna get into right now. And this is something that's out of my comfort zone. So you might have to help me with some of the pronunciations. I went through and I wrote down a list of Lil Rappers. Oh. <laughs> because it's Lil Buddy. And I thought, hey, that's, that's something. Lil so Buddy, some of them I know, some of them I don't. Um, right. Lil Dicky, he was the first one that pulled up for me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Love that guy. Amazing freestyler. I, I didn't and, know that. And, and he's, he's kind An of. An actor, like, too. He has a TV show. Yeah. He, uh, Dave, I think. Yeah. But he's uh-huh. also like, uh, not only is he a really good freestyler, but he's um, kind of on the like comedy rap side. Yeah, he's funny. A lot yeah. of his stuff is more funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about this one? Lil Peep. And then I wrote R.I.P. next to him. Yes, Lil Peep. He's, he's kind of like that Machine Gun Kelly type rapper. Mm. Um, well... That's funny that you mentioned that because the next one I wrote down is Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> Another gun reference there. Lil yeah. Uzi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I wrote down Lil Baby. Apparently that's something that's happening. Yeah. Um, don't mess with Lil Baby. <laughs> okay. There, there you go. Hear it from Dolan. Uh, then there's one I actually knew. Lil Wayne. He's not Lil anymore. He's like old man Wayne, but... Uh, still, that counts. Lil Kim, she was probably the first Lil yeah. I was ever into. Uh, Lil Zan, um, surprisingly, had an opioid problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's him. Was it Lil? I think Lil Zan uh, dated Noah Cyrus. For yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Um, how about this guy? You don't call him this no more, but when he first hit, he was Lil Bow Wow. Lil Bow Wow. Now he's Big Bow Wow. Um, here's one that everybody probably knows, at least the song, Lil Nas X. Mm. Braden's favorite country musician of all time. Yes. Um, Lil Scrappy. 
I, I don't know that one. I don't know. And here's one I liked. Not a rapper, but a pop culture phenomenon. The cat known as Lil Bub. You know about Lil Bub? No. Lil Bub was this little cat that I think was in Indiana, like 2011, was born, um, and passed away in 2019. Uh, it had some sort of like congenital problems. So his face looked kind of all smushed and weird, and his tongue would hang out all the time. And kind of was, oh, it had, I wrote down in my notes, feline dwarfism. So a dwarf cat. And he became popular and kind of was like meme culture and was on the internet and stuff. He had a TV talk show in 2013 um, where he would ask, yeah, the cat. (laughs) Uh, So somebody would talk for the cat and he would just sit there and do these cool reactions. Um, And then there was a documentary that's just called Lil Bub and Friends that you can check out. Um, But you got to, if you see a picture of him, you'll know him. Um, A long time ago, I saw him interviewing musicians. Yeah, there, Dolan's got it. Yeah. Um, He was interviewing like, I think I saw him interview Ryan Adams one time and maybe Billy Corrigan, uh, people like that. And they were phenomenal. It's just comedy. But this isn't the same cat that like we're seeing now that like is on the side of the screen like bobbing its head. It's not the same uh, cat. No. You see me doing it anything like this? Yeah. <laughs> I love that cat though. <laughs> <laughs> um no, this cat this cat's um I don't even know what you'd call that color. You can't describe him. Yeah. But grayish. He's, he looks yeah. like his eyes stick out, his tongue sticks out, his face looks all smushed. He was just real cute. Yeah. So, like, he was cool before Grumpy Cat was cool? Around the same time. But he had more street cred. Mm-hmm. Lil he was into the, over Grumpy yeah, Cat? Yeah. Yeah. Lil, Lil Bub was more, like, underground, where Grumpy mm-hmm. Cat was everywhere. Like, there's a little golden book about Grumpy Cat that we have at my house. But we don't have no Lil Bub books. Um, I'm surprised you didn't bring up, uh, after Lil Bow Wow, Lil Romeo. <laughs> You know, there wasn't enough time to get all the Lils in there. <laughs> I, I heard there was quite the feud there. There was for a while, boy. Yeah. More than a Lil beef. <laughs> Look, if, if your name's Lil in any way, you really can't have a feud. I don't, not, not a serious feud. Really. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not starting any with anybody on this list. Which one was in the, um, the movies? Lil, Lil Romeo or Lil Bow Wow? Uh, Bow Wow, I think, was in, he was in a roller skating movie I remember seeing uh, at one point. The basketball movies. Mm, I don't know. I'm thinking Space of, Jam? Are you thinking of Space Jam? Uh, like Mike. Uh, like Mike. Yeah, that was a little Bow Wow. There you go. So did you, you think we'd get here? No. No. no <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the little part. I don't know. Maybe the yeah. little part. Oh. You got to take inspiration from where you can. <laughs> this this is delicious. This is great. I I need more of this. This could be an everyday this is an everyday drinker for sure. Yeah. I wish it was more than eight ounces. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. It, they came in uh four packs, which was surprising. With the well, I, I actually wrote it down here, like you said. It's a snack. It's a snack. Yeah. yeah. It's like an appetizer. Or they said the proverbial plus one. I know some places if you buy a drink at the bar, you get a side beer or something like that, you know, or like a whatever shot. So this is kind of, I guess, in that 
style of things. I don't know. Oh, this would go good with some deep dish pizza. Mm. Oh, that would. Without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. We made that. We did that right away. My wife is sucrose, lactose, and fructose intolerant. Mm. And our first thing we ate was deep dish pizza when we got to Chicago. That maybe ruined the rest of the night. The first yeah. night. <laughs> but it was worth it. It says you. <laughs> so I, I, the last little bit of information I have on these guys is uh, on Samantha Lee, who's uh, one of the, still one of the owners, very, very involved. Um, it, she said something that I have said so many times here, at least for us at Atlas. She said, it, this was in an interview that she did for a magazine uh, article I found online. Uh, she said, our business is very personal, which I, I guess, you know, with, and we hear this some with beer. I mean, what we do, at least with, with us and, and healthcare professionals is, is very personal because what they do in the hospital is a very personal thing too. So, but to hear someone from a, from the brewing industry say that I thought that was interesting. Um, they, they have worked with a couple of different nonprofits uh, along the way through like elections and stuff in 2018 um, they put out a call to action and then raised money to uh, eliminate uh, anti-voter suppression so for anti-voter suppression uh, efforts uh, they're participating in a big national campaign uh, for a nonprofit called healing to action whose mission is to end gender-based violence uh, you can, if you go to their website and you order their beer, you can add anywhere between $10 and $50 to your cart as a donation then to either that or whatever, maybe whatever cause that they're working with, you know, as, as this goes on. Uh, it's really important to all three of them that this has been a, a thing that, especially with her coming from nonprofits, but then all three of them being like-minded. Um, is is important to them. I thought that was interesting. I'd never seen a place before where you can add a donation to your cart along with whatever you're purchasing yeah. at the same time. I know that here locally, Pint Nine, they have a different charity that they give money to every month. And then there's certain days of the week that when you go in there, then they get like a percentage of your sales or whatever. And every month the charities change. It goes anywhere from animal stuff to voter things like you were talking about, uh, like cleaning up parks, that just all sorts of different community things, uh, which is, which is kind of fun. I think it's just kind of a sign of the times where it's, you know, any of these, there are a lot of businesses that kind of have that social aspect in mind to like, okay, our main focus is this, but we have a responsibility back to our community to, to give back and to, and to help is because they have that platform. And I think they, they especially, at least from a brewing standpoint there in Chicago, take that very seriously. Yeah, it just seems like that would be a fun place to go. I would like to go to this place. That's a, that's a good segue. So TripAdvisor, I've gone back to, to uh, looking up, okay, what do people on TripAdvisor say? Because, okay, we haven't, done, we haven't gone on a lot of trips, obviously, over the past year. Yeah, like me, none, nowhere. Right. But this data hasn't gone away. So there's, they rank 149th as of, as of TripAdvisor right now, right? I mean, obviously things are, have changed. But as of right now, they rank 149th out of 459 for nightlife in Chicago. So I mean, that's, a, I think, downtown Chicago. I mean, that's not bad. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty fair. Uh, there were only five reviews 
there on TripAdvisor, and they were all excellent. They all had the five stars, except for one, and then three stars. And this was the review, and this will go back to kind of what we talked about before. Uh, the one not so positive review, the reviewer said, this is too clean for me, too bright, too clean, too pristine of a crowd. I'd much rather go drink my beers in an old warehouse or factory building. Yep. <laughs> Look, if that's- if That's your that, complaint, yeah. If that's your complaint, then you are um, doing something amazingly right, I guess, yeah. or different. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's too clean for me. Well, take your slobs somewhere else. Get out of here. I like to drink my beer in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, a paper bag behind a dumpster at Wendy's. <laughs> like I said, if you look at this place, man, it looks like an Apple store. Like it's that clean and bright and fresh and fun. And just it, it, it's a place that next time in, I'm in Chicago, I was just lamenting to my wife not too long ago that man, I really, I miss Chicago a lot. That yeah. this would be on the list to go to for sure. Well, hopefully, uh, I saw in the news last night that they're talking uh, a full spring training and normal baseball schedule this year, so maybe you'll be able to get up there. Maybe. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh-oh. Okay, uh, untapped. Let's go check that out and see where do you think this falls. I 1,861 check-ins, so not a ton. But for a, for a brewery that doesn't, I don't even know if they distribute outside of Illinois, um, at least this beer. Yeah, I've never seen any of their beers before. Mm-hmm. No, and for one that's only been around since 2016. Oh, where do you think we land? Well, it's a pretty good lager. I think I will probably go a 3-5 on it. But I think it's sitting at a 3-3. Three, three. Hmm. I'm going to say 3.79. And some of that rating goes into just the uniqueness of the can. Ooh. So getting a little extra from me just you for the a little serving. Bump. Yeah. See, you get a little bump. A little pump. Isn't that guy too? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so untapped 3.51. Ooh. So, Dolan, you should have stayed right at your 3.5. You would have been right I there. Yeah. yeah, I should have. Here's, here's the thing. Like, what I, I think, what would I rate this? So, if I went to sit down at the brewery and I said, you know, give me, I order a flight or whatever, and I see the light logger on there and where I'm at kind of in my beer journey and, you know, what I gravitate towards right now, I would have a hard time ranking any, this any under four because yeah. this, it's just a good everyday drinker. There's, it's just, like, this is beer-flavored beer. Yeah. Yeah, we've kind of come to a place where we had, you know, beer started that way, craft beers did, and then we got some hops, and then we just had those West Coast styles, and then it went nuts, right? And now people are trying to like get off that roller coaster and just start over again. I think so. A lot of a lot of breweries are making these kind of beers, and people are drinking these. Like, there's people that actually say this is their favorite style again, um, instead of you know, pineapple milkshake IPAs or whatever. So. <laughs> If that's what you're looking for, clean and refreshing, crisp, this one was it. I think they should do, uh, they should, they should, uh, like rip off the Tostitos and do uh, a little buddy hint of lime, you know, or mm-hmm. a little buddy mm-hmm. instead of a little lager, it could be little buddy, a little lime. <laughs> little, little lime buddy. 
little lime, lime wedge or something because uh, that you put a little lime flavor in this oh yeah. little i think it's either going to be the name or a wrapper <laughs> lil i think you go with this lil wedgie <laughs> yes <laughs> if they're listening to this and we know breweries listen because they have yeah. commented before yeah. I, I think go ahead, feel free to use any of the names that we have used here for that but if just, you would make uh, a prime version of this that'd be great man it just cost you one dollar you got to give us one dollar to stay in line with the formica information <laughs> uh, you can have lil wedgie lil wedgie <laughs> okay all right so we've got we've got a couple weeks of fun here we go from one extreme to the other and then we hit some valentine's fun in the middle too so I don't even know what's going to happen on the Valentine's episode, but then we have, yeah, I don't even want to tease it because you go, we go from very, very normal Pilsner to as far, I don't even know if we could go any further to the left on this. Dolan found a beer called Kung Pao Imperial Stout that seems to be made with the same things you would make Kung Pao chicken or whatever out of, which I don't know if we could go any further off the spectrum. <laughs> no, I don't think so. This is a whole different ball game. So we got we got three fun weeks coming your way. Stay with us. We're not going anywhere for a while. Let's have a, another beer. Thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing. <laughs>